Welcome to the Yellow Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Juliet Marhofer Duggar, and I am here today with my dear friend, Kelly Trontel. And we have attempted this how many times, Kelly? A few times. <laughs> A lot. She is out in Whitefish, Montana. We're going to hear how she uh, journeyed there to that state and that beautiful city. Um, so I'm excited that you're with me today. Every time, I think the last two times we've attempted, we talked for an hour before and then <laughs> we're like, oh, I guess we should do a podcast. Reschedule and that's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we finally, so we finally can interview. So our love story began on Instagram. It seems like, I, I felt like I say that quite a bit lately, but yeah. it's just amazing how little by little, but I was, we were retracing some of our steps, right? Last week right. when we connected and I remember like, okay, I think it was because my publisher had also worked with someone that you knew that they, she was their publisher. And then I think on Instagram, I don't know, I I was trying to like, look at the trail, you know, so, um, and then just your story and so much in your life that resonated with, with my own. And then we, uh, we just can, I think it was, I think I had messaged you. And then we finally actually like connected, connected. Had a phone call. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then we started texting. Yes. And then we had like long voice text. Oh gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Five minute voice text messages. back. Um, So it's just deepened and, and, and and just gotten so good and rich. It's, it's awesome. I mean, you know, we spend an hour more. Been a blessing to me. So. A couple, a couple hours, I think. We yes. Yeah. Together. <laughs> oh, so it's so good. Uh, you have such a remarkable story as an entrepreneur and as a mama. Mm. And I can't wait to share that with our listeners. And there's been in your story so much that's pivotal, and then God bringing out of that pain, power that became so paramount in your story. And I'd love to talk about your journey, where you moved from and how you ended up in Whitefish. And then we can also dive into your entrepreneurial journey. That's so exciting. I can't wait. Tell us how you navigated from where you were to where you are now. All right. Like you said, I'm in Whitefish, Montana. And that is the number one question I get is how and why and what, and all the details. How did I get to Montana? Um, I'm originally from Southern California and after college, um, I actually moved to Phoenix, Arizona. My uncle, uh, opened a restaurant with Alice Cooper and it was called Alice Cooper's town. So it was kind of like, a um, like the rock and roll, hall of fame restaurant type of thing. So, yep. I waited tables there and, um, I've always done music my whole life. So that was, that was a thing. So music my whole life. And, um, so my uncle had invited me out that summer and just said, Hey, you know, come work at my restaurant. And there's a couple of, you know, country bars, honky tonks that you should come out and sing at. Cause I was, I was doing Christian music, but I loved country. So that's what I was doing at that time. So I moved to Phoenix for a few years and waited tables and sang at this, um, famous country bar and turned 21 there and 
in my heart was like, I can't turn 25 here. Like I need to get to <laughs> Nashville, which was like my yeah, dream. So yeah. I moved to Nashville a month before my 25th birthday and loved it. Like loved everything about it. Nashville is so much fun. Lived there for gosh, seven or eight years prior to moving to Montana. And so, um, yeah, so I was in a group with, um, this is right before I left, you know, I had just recorded just my own projects and, um, quickly learned I'm a collaborator and, um, Mm. it was really hard for me to push me and, you know, to go to these record label parties and showcases. And I just has, I've never felt comfortable pushing me, like Mm. listen to me, 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 me. And, um, I was really hard. So I kind of got into photography, um, at that time and just had a lot of creative friends. And there were a lot of musicians that I met that were photographers. So it kind of just goes hand in hand, just another creative outlet. So, um, I kind of got into that photography community there. Um, but prior to moving from Nashville, I connected with some girls that were in a group called Zoe girl and they they had disbanded, um, a few years before that, but my friend Chrissy Katina, I just saw something on, I think it was probably MySpace back then, but like summer, maybe (laughs) Facebook, but you know, just, Hey, does anyone want to get together and write? Like she just missed being in that group. Hmm. And so her and I got together, we started writing and then there was a, another girl, Kristen Schwain, that was in Zoe girl as well. That kind of just saw our post about writing. And so she ended up joining us. So we were basically essentially two thirds of Zoe girl, um, but did it totally different. It was just grassroots all on our own independent played a few shows together, but you know, they had kids this time around. I ha- I didn't have, I didn't have my family yet at that time. It was just, it was hard. It's hard being a mom and juggling a career like that and traveling and, and that whole thing. So, but we did, uh, we wrote quite a few songs and recorded. And around that time, um, my husband at the time, his family was from Montana and he really wanted to get back to Montana. And I was so anti it. I was like getting all my girls to pray. I was like, this is an idol for him. We need to pray that he lays it down. <laughs> like we are so supposed to be in, in Nashville. I was living my life. I, I just yeah. was doing everything that I've always dreamed of doing. Mm-hmm. And we had a great church plugged in and it just kind of seemed like this is where we were supposed to be. It was in 2010 that we moved here. Um, it was 2010 when my dad had unexpectedly passed away and I was super close to my dad talked every day and, um, got that phone call and that rocked me to the core. I remember, you know, even when I was walking to my car prior to getting that phone call, I was actually doing a photo shoot at a friend's house and her roommate had lost her mom to breast cancer. And I remember being at her house that whole time during that shoot for two hours prior to getting this phone call about my dad, but being obsessed with how is she functioning without her mom? Like, I can't imagine losing a parent. And that's all I was thinking of during this photo shoot. And when I left that evening, I remember it was just dark enough that you could see the fireflies. I remember everything about it. I'm walking to my car. And I just felt something over here (laughs) and I looked over and it was her roommate sitting on the porch and instantly the thought 
came into my mind was she has a perspective of heaven that I don't have. I was not a deep thinker back then. I am not who I was, who I am today. Like I was like, life is good. Life is awesome. Heaven's going to be amazing. We don't ever have to go to sleep. We could like hang out with our friends all day long. I wasn't a deep thinker like this. And I got in my car and got this phone call. That is just one of the many experiences that I've had of God just truly being in our stuff and coming alongside of me before a blow. This wasn't the first time that he's kind of buffered that for me. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like that's what that was. Like he set my heart and my mind on what it needed to prior to getting this devastating news. That is that, sorry, I'm going to (laughs) cry, but just seeing God's faithfulness. So I, then my heart radically changed. I was like, God, what do you want? Life is so short and I'm so comfortable and I love my life, but that's not what life's about. And I knew that the family that was out here in Montana weren't believers. And I just literally, I mean, it was like a a shift, you know, um, so quickly, like God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. We ended up putting our house on the market and it sold within six weeks and we were here in Montana. (laughs) So that is how I got to Montana. Yeah. And just having a piece about it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because like I said, I literally was like praying against it for so long and to have just the peace of God and have a vision and, um, and even now on this side of things, and I will dive into it, but just even still being here today and having my life look the way that it does today, I don't regret, there's no bitterness or regret like that. I'm here today. Cause I know God mm-hmm. called me here. That moment of looking over at the roommate and, and you having that thought process and telling the soil of your heart for what was about to come when you sat down in your car and you received that phone call, acknowledging there's a, that you saw something, that there's a perspective that she has because of the loss and the pain that she's gone through with her own mother. That was right in that moment. And then you get into your car and then, like you said, your heart, you know, post that radically changing to this is my plan. This doesn't feel like, or look like what I thought it was going to. And then your response to that, the cry of your heart is God, what do you want? Right. What do you want? It's like going from the day to day to processing through the pain and then reaching that point of desperation. Mm-hmm. And for you, that that moment came of I'm in pain, but now I'm desperate. Right. I'm desperate, God. So what is it that you want? What yeah. do you want from me? What do you want to do in me? What do you want right. to do through me? And then here you are and you landed in Whitefish and it's been quite a while, right? right. A number of yeah. years. It'll be 12 years this August. Yeah. You said 2010. I'm thinking you've been there for a minute, right? Yeah. You've been there yes. For a you've had so much happen in your, in your world and in your life. What took place? Like you landed in Whitefish and there was a lot that opened up for you personally. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And I even look back and just, again, nothing is an accident. God is so intentional. So I loved that. I've held a microphone in my hand Mm. my whole life in some ways. 
I feel like there's been seasons that look like it was actually replaced with, but I also love that he put a camera in my hand. And I think that also made the transition and he doesn't have to do this, but I love that he does do it for us. And, you know, so when I was transitioning from Nashville to Montana, I felt like, well, I can do photography anywhere, you know? And so I love that, that picture of camera and microphone. So I arrived in in Montana and we very quickly got connected into our church, which is Fresh Life Church. Levi and Jenny Lesko were the pastors there and, you know, from California and how the heck did we get in Montana? Like that's their same story, you know? So it just really resonated with me. Um, he was bringing out, Levi was bringing out, um, bands, um, once a month and his ministry was kind of going outside of Montana. And so there were a couple years that I traveled with Levi and Jenny and documented with my camera of their event. He did, uh, it was called Skull Church, which is just an evangelistic outreach. And then um, an event called O2 Experience, which is like a purity. And um, yeah, just photographed their family, you know, and got also got a, a very front row glimpse like into their life and their family. And shortly after moving here and shortly after my first son being born, their five-year-old daughter passed away and walking so closely with them in their grief of losing their daughter. And they've been beautiful examples of walking that out. And, um, so even just seeing God's faithfulness in that and just our relationships and planting us here with specific people, mm-hmm. um, cause they, like I said, just their example of walking out grief and hurt and disappointment has absolutely assured a path for me. Um, something that I've seen, not just read about, not just heard about, but I saw it. And, um, so that has been a blessing uh, before I ne- ever knew that I would need it. So yeah, I got into photography and meanwhile, we had an opportunity to purchase, a building downtown whitefish. And, um, we ended up opening a frozen yogurt and coffee shop called red caboose. And I'd never done that before. Never owned a brick and mortar shop and had employees and all of the things. And we just new world. Yes. (laughs) Um, And I also love this idea as well of that, you know, God just says today, I give you what you need for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the future. And it wasn't for a while, you know, when I looked back at like how wild and crazy is it that like whitefish is its own small town. Mm. And I didn't know that till I got here. So to say that you live in Kalispell or big fork or these other towns, it's not whitefish. And so when I look back, we truly moved here from Nashville, Tennessee to whitefish, Montana, opened a, opened a shop in a town. Nobody knew our name. Like, that's so crazy, but I was kind of writing, Oh, he's from here. His family's from here. But in reality, no, like we weren't known in whitefish. Yeah. He wasn't known in whitefish. The family wasn't. Who are these people? (laughs) Yes. That's so crazy. When I look back and I love that. I didn't really know that at the time. Insane. Yeah. Cause that would be so crazy, but I mean, who am I just show up in town and open up our shop. So we opened up, um, this cute little frozen yogurt and coffee shop. And it was just amazing to just see what God going to do in our community. And it truly was absolutely loved by our town. Um, we were open until 10 o'clock during the week and 11 o'clock on Friday and Saturday night. 
And on the weekends, Whitefish turns into like a mini Vegas. It is part of town in the bars. I mean, you've got like Canadians, you know, people on vacation and here we are. I didn't even realize again, but it's a little party had us. downtown, just, I had a great team. A lot of them came from fresh life and they were worship leaders with me just, yeah. So we ended up doing that. And even in that, I don't even know if you know this story, but we ended up getting approached by HGTV and recorded an episode of house hunters. Stop. Did you yes. really? so we were the first episode of house hunters, Montana? We did that. Um, so and again, Kelly crazy, <laughs> so crazy. But they truly did share our story of moving from Nashville to Whitefish to open up a cafe. And that was, that was the story. And so again, just having that favor and blessing and free marketing for our, for our shop. It was so good. Huge. That's major. I mean, transitioning from one state to another state is major in, in our lives. I mean, that's a, that's a significant life event. And then also taking a risk and saying yes to opening up an establishment, a brick and mortar. Yeah. I mean, it, it demands so much of you as a human being to open up a business and to take that risk and step out. And I love that just the community and your, um, people, and at church just came around you guys and that you built those relationships, which are still thriving today. So many of those relationships that God worked through at that time in your life, that those, that's your village. Like those are the people that have continued to sit in the pain and experience the power and walk with you guys hand in hand, right. And your, in your life is significant. Yeah. Uh, I just, I love that. Okay. So you are a mama, right? You've got two babies and they're amazing. What is, what is your day-to-day rituals and rhythm look like for you? Day-to-day it's changed significantly since 2020 with the pandemic and school. So I homeschool. So I'm doing Mm -hmm. something I never, ever dreamed that I would do. I'm sure everyone is shocked, but um, and I've absolutely come to love it. Um, day to day is homeschool, juggling homeschool and being a single mom and working and doing all the things and coffee, of course, coffee every morning. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. I mean, you did own a coffee shop, right? right. You mm. did. Did you love coffee before you opened the Red Caboose? Yeah, I did. I really did. But I really got into it when um, when I had an opportunity to go to Portland and train with Stumptown. So we serve Stumptown coffee and get all nerdy and geek into it. But yeah, really cool. So just Google it. But yeah, Stumptown coffee is really special and it is considered specialty coffee and it's it's own world, just like wine or anything else. I mean, it's its own industry, but I love Stumptown, the heart for people. They don't call their cherry pickers or farmers, farmers, they call them producers. Like they just honor all the way. And it's so good. So just their heart again, for people and community and coffee just resonated with mine. And I just, I, I love them. So do you still uh, have relationship with them, even though you sold red caboose? Yeah, I do. I do. And I helped a friend of mine open up um, a cafe here in whitefish a couple years ago. 
and connected her with Stumptown. So Stumptown is still in Whitefish, Montana. So Aww, it's, it's that's good. great. Um, yeah, it's it's great. So they they continue on. So you can they still get coffee in Whitefish, Montana. People. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. So tell us about your entrepreneurial journey because in Nashville singing, you said you've had a microphone in your hand your whole life. And so you as a musician, songwriter, you've carried that through that's in you and with you. And I've gotten to hear one of your songs. It's so good. Uh, and so now you, you carried into whitefish into this part of your life, photography and your music. And I just love all these bridges in your life, just the connecting points for you and so, but you have your hands into some other things as well. Share with us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, definitely, um, still doing music. And there was a time that I kind of put all that down. I was not pursuing it. Half of me just felt like it was over, um, but took about a two year hiatus from leading worship at fresh life and, um, walked through some more life things and, um, God just been good. So, um, my heart is really to encourage people. And I think when you're talking about those bridges, I always struggled with like doing so many things. I felt like, why can't I be that one person? That's like, hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm a photographer or hi, I'm Kelly. I'm this, but I do all these things. And I struggled with having so many things, but the bridge or the thread is people it's God has me in the people business. I see that now. And I love like, thank you, Lord, for trusting me in different, I don't look at it as like a negative or, you know, she doesn't know what she's about or she's all over the place, but God trusts me enough to have these different arenas with different people. Yeah. So kind of getting my life, you know, organized and what does God want from me from here on out? And right now it it really is pouring into women that have walked similar paths and, um, just wanting to encourage them. That's so good. And it's, and powerful. I mean, what you're creating and that there are, you know, multiple ventures that you feel God has asked you to put your hands to. And I know that you live a life of intention and that you have continued to build upon what he put in your life and what he's asked you to do and that you demonstrate his love in, in all of that. And how you have gone through so much loss in your, in your life and that you've continued to not wait until the war is over to find out who you are, mm-hmm. that you are determined to persevere through it, but also grow through it as well. Like the, the growth and how you've chosen to keep saying yes, because it's a choice right. to say, to say yes. And it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't feel convenient to say yes, or, you know, doesn't always look the way we think it's going to look. And yet the core of the process is trusting, you know, it's our faith and our, our hope that we just feel that surge in our soul. That's like from beginning to end, from the moment that I say, yes, that we can know it's going to, it's going to work out. Like it it may not be the way we think it's going to look that it is going to, that it is going to work. Would you say that you regret living a life of yes? Do you regret taking risks even, even though you failed? No, not at all. 
I actually just, there was something on Instagram where I put like choices like risk or relax and mm. I circled risk. Like that is just who I am. I love that risk or relax. Mm-hmm. Oh, because like unpacking that, you know, it could be, can we relax until we take the risk? That's right. That's good. Because it's going to eat at us. It's like, right. come on, do it, do it. You know, it's like, we know there's so much resistance around taking the risk. It's in us. It's in us. And we, we step out and take that risk. Then it's like, oh my God, like I did it. Yeah, no, it's so good. And I think that's just, it's so important. And I think it's in those seasons, again, just seeing God's hand on it. And we, we do it, but it's God in and through us. And that's the biggest thing. I don't regret any of those decisions that I've made or risk just, I've just seen God. And had I not taken that risk, I don't know how I would have seen him, you know? So, yeah. Okay. So let's pause on this for a minute. Right. So if we talk about taking a risk, you know, I don't want our listeners to be like, you say that so flippantly, like it's just easy, Juliet or God, just take her, take a risk. So let's talk about this. Then the mental process and the physical process, the spiritual spirit, soul, and body, heart, mind, and will process that we go through to say yes, because it's not the risk just shows up and we go, heck yeah, I'm doing it. Right. But I believe for every human being that there is that moment where we, we cross over to the yes from you know, we have the thought process that we go through and think of what might not work out and what could work out and all the if scenarios. There's so much fear, right? right. There's so much fear mongering that's happening to us as we're going through the process. Right. What does that look like for you? Can you think of something in your life that defined you that was pivotal for you, a risk that you took. Yeah. I feel like the move to Montana was a risk for me and I didn't see anything. I wasn't guaranteed anything. I, I didn't even know what I was gonna do for a job. I didn't even know where I was going to live. I knew nothing. So I didn't move out here. I, I didn't know that we were going to open a frozen yogurt coffee shop when we moved out here. So it was like, let's go and figure it yeah. out. So there wasn't a, a carrot dangling on the other side of risk. There was oh. Nothing on the other side of risk. It was just, do you trust me? And so saying yes in August, our household, we were here September-ish. I didn't mention this earlier, but my younger sister passed away. Within six months of my dad passing away, my younger sister passed away. And I we were in the middle of filming House Hunters when that happened. Um, so it was absolute like grief upon grief, feeling uprooted here we are in Montana doing these good things, but hard things. Like it just was a lot. And I feel like my personality, I struggled with this too, as I, I have felt the Lord prompting me to just share my story. I feel like the things I'm hearing in my head are, well, it's just your personality, Kelly, you know, the glass is half full for you, you know? So Mm -hmm. what I have to say won't resonate with everybody. Because I'm coming out, I'm naturally a glass is half full, seeing rainbows, you know, all the things, but I have experienced so much. And I can confidently say this now I have experienced 
so much loss, so much grief, so much disappointment that is, it is beyond a, a personality. Like it is a choice. Yeah. It is an absolute choice. And so in some ways, when I struggled with that lie, you know, that was keeping me from speaking and sharing because I felt like Kelly, it just, you know, it's just your personality. This isn't helpful for the person that doesn't have that personality of mm-hmm. uh, the glass is half full. Just again, the things that I'm still walking through today, I just, in some ways thankful because God is absolutely shattering all of those myths and lies in my own mind that this is beyond a personality of yeah. choosing, you know, I'm, I'm, this is a choice. This is, this is an absolute choice every single day, choosing to see God, choosing to believe that this isn't the end of me or my story. It's not, it's not a personality thing anymore. Yeah. Oh, Kelly, that's beautiful. And thank you for sharing with us. What an honor. And I'm so sorry about your sister. Yeah. I know that about your story. Yeah. What an honor for you to share that with us, mm-hmm. knowing, knowing the ins and outs of the loss and that you're still walking that out, that you're uncovering and unpacking so much in your soul. Like this is real time, like right now, yeah. here and now, right? Like we're both like crying and tears. I mean, like it's full on, yeah. you know, this is, this is it. This is us. This is the life that, that we're living and Hey, for you today, right now, that's listening to know that we're walking this out. Like every day we're walking our risk out. We're walking the no guarantees out. We're walking our choices out. Like we're choosing joy. Right. And that's what I want. That's what I want others to know is that it doesn't come naturally always. It doesn't come easily. It becomes easier. Yeah, that's right. Surrendering to this process and the hope, like you said, it's choosing joy when the tears are flowing and the snot's coming out and like you're on the, my place I talk about is the bathroom floor, you know, whatever, whatever that floor is for us, wherever that is, that place where we're just a heap of a mess, fetal position in bed, whatever you, you look at the story of, of, King David in the scriptures. And he's like, I've been soaking my pillow. Like I'm, I'm literally bones, like with skin on, like that's what's left of me. You and I've swapped some more stories and some battles and we've both um, encountered those pillow soaking nights and still do. And that, Hey God, I just feel like I'm, I'm bones. Like that's what's left of me. Then you read the story of Ezekiel and God says, you going to speak to those bones. Right. And that's it right? Like that, that's the, the crux of it is speaking and choosing it's, it's action. And it doesn't mean that we do that when the war is over, we do that in the middle. We do that here. And now is that when you know the nature and the character and the intimacy of God, and you know that if he did it, then he's going to do it now. And you become acquainted with, as you've mentioned several times, the goodness that the goodness that flows and that you can reflect and you can see now the bridges and the connecting points and God, you were there. Yeah. And you're here mm-hmm. and you're where I'm going. That's right. And the faithfulness of that process 
us and what that looks like for both of us and for the person on the other side of the earbuds that's listening. (laughs) The pressure, you know, we talked about that too, that I shared with you that I was out on a run last week. And I just felt like, as I was reflecting on different things in my life, that pressure is a gift. And I was thinking about a woman that's going through childbirth and just the pressure and that you, that pressure is necessary, right? Right. To bring forth life, just breathe, just breathe, just breathe, right. You're having the contractions and the contractions are, you know, that pain of what you feel. Right. And what's interesting about contractions is it happens. And then there's a little teeny tiny bit of some relief in between. And then here they come again and it's not long. Right. And it builds and builds and builds. But what's interesting about that is when we look at our lives as thinking about the pressure that there, it creates an opening, right? Right. It creates an opening or there's complications, the baby's breach or the baby's not head down or, Hey, we're going to have to do an emergency C-section. Um, or the precious mamas who have lost life. Um, you know, looking at the pressure of, we don't hold the outcome. We don't know what is on the other side of that pressure, but when it's happening, like you're in it, you're in it. It, The contractions are are happening. You know, with a few of my children, I was induced. And so you have the drip and you've, you've got that going and, and your body is, doesn't naturally go into labor, right? Right. Like it's thrown into that process. And doesn't that feel like the curveballs? Like, you know, like, it's like, Although you're like, okay, I know I'm going to be induced. It's like, you didn't tell me how bad this was. Right. Can anybody though? I mean, it's like, there's not another human being that can look at us fully and say, okay, this is the implications. This is the ramifications of what it's going to feel like or be like, because it's our own experience. Right. But that pressure is a gift. And sometimes we can't always see that when it's full on, but then the, what you're describing to us is from you growing up 21, moving before you hit 25 to Nashville, coming into whitefish and how those bridges have kept connecting you to what's next and the gifts that you're living out today and that you, that you've continued to stay the path and keep saying yes. What's the process been like for you mentally to work through daily? Because it's a, it's walking it out. Right. Yeah. I get asked this question and I remember giving an answer and the person said, well, I don't want to hear that (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because maybe it just sounds so simple, Mm. but worship is Mm. everything. I'm not talking about like leading worship. It's just Filling my home. And, you know, when you were, when you were talking about the, the birthing process, what came to my mind was, um, I had all the things done when I had Ezra Pitocin and epidural and a sleeping pill and like everything. (laughs) And I don't remember a lot. Mm. And with imaging, I went into it, obviously wanting to have a more natural approach. Part of that getting in that headspace was what I was filling my mind with. I mean, it's proven it. They say fear causes pain. Mm. And I absolutely was going into my first birthing experience. So fearful. I mean, I've always been fearful of pain, hospitals, doctors, needles, the whole thing, because I'd spent a lot of my life with my younger sister in a hospital. Mm. And so I actually thought I'm going to adopt 
not even with the right heart. It was to avoid the pain. I want to have a family. I don't want to experience pain getting it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to adopt. And, you know, um, so with imaging, my second, um, my daughter, I intentionally followed Instagram accounts on natural birth. And I feel like I rewrote in my brain, in my mind, what birth looked like. And it was no longer the screaming, the other view of it that movies portray, you know, it's, it's, it's never peace and it's still hard, but there's control, Mm -hmm. not out of control and chaos. I believe what we put in our minds, what we fill our minds with, what we put, fill our hearts with absolutely dictates our day to day. I went into giving birth with imaging, you know, at home laboring on my own, um, for five hours downstairs in my house, going through that, going through the birth pain, having the, the little breaks of relief that shocked me. Cause I actually felt like I could go put on a, um, load of laundry in between contractions and didn't know that that was possible, but just that sweet, (laughs) it was just like a sweet relief. I couldn't believe it. Like I just was like, have this crazy contraction. And then when it was gone, it was gone, but experiencing that, but I literally got to the hospital 35 minutes before she was born and there was no time to hook me up to anything. The nurse looked at me again, having again, what we're putting in our minds, what we're putting in our hearts, but the people around us, because I did have a woman that was like my doula who answered for me when the nurse said, what was your birthing plan? As I'm saying here, like I have to push, like I had my clothes on, I had pants on and (laughs) she looked at me and said, okay, after this contraction, we need to take care of this. But what was, what is your birthing plan? And the lady who was my advocate, who had been walking the season out with me knew, and she said, as natural as possible. And I probably wouldn't have answered it that way. It made me, I, I got a little freaked out in that moment mm. thinking, wait, no, do I really want to do it? <laughs> yeah. Like, what exactly does knew. that mean? Yeah. She yeah. knew and having an advocate and having someone walk through these seasons with you when you start to second guess everything, yeah. but she said it and I'm so glad she did. And that's what happened. And plus we had no time to do anything anyway. They only gave me a little heart rate, heartbeat thing on my finger. Like, and I had her, um, but just rewriting what hard things could be like, it doesn't have to be chaos and confusion, or if it is, we can have joy in the midst of it. Oh, rewriting. That's it. Rewriting. You said you rewrote what birth was going to look like for you. Yeah. Putting visuals in front of me. And so when I to answer your question about worship, what that looked like. I played worship every single day in my house. When I, when I was in seasons of walking through a divorce, walking through death, walking through hard things, I, when I couldn't muster up the songs and the lyrics, like putting that, just getting that in our hearts, even for my children, but getting it pumped through our home like that. That's just like when you, ask me what my day-to-day looks like. It's like coffee and worship. It's like, that goes on, that goes on before TV goes on. It goes on before anything. My kids just know I wouldn't underestimate that. And so it sounds so easy, but to me, it's my first line of defense. And there were seasons where I wasn't singing it and I wasn't feeling it, but I was, it was like an IV. Like I was just pumping it through my heart and my soul. And that's what that, that's what worship looked like for me. Yeah. Yeah. Those are your tools. That's what you've drawn upon. And it, 
and knowing that you've cultivated that in your life, that where you came from, that it may have started off looking like, okay, this is going to require more intention. And I need to think about, okay, what do I need to do? And now, like you said, your kids just know, like that's a non-negotiable for you. It's a rhythm in your life. It's just what you do. It's not like you go, am I going to worship today? Am I going to set this climate in my house today? Is this the culture of my soul? It's become that because you have, you've nurtured that in your life. And it's, it's, you don't, it's like, you know, you get up and you go to the bathroom, you get up and you brush your teeth or you get up and, you know, whatever that looks like that this, that normal physical routine that we do, that there's a, a spiritual routine that started for you. And that's become, it has become natural. It's not something that you think about, right. That, it, that you're intentional, that the intention doesn't leave, but it just, it, now it does come natural to you. Right. Because if we lived our lives without that being a part of it, we know the result if we do or if we don't. And that you said that you rewrote, you rewrote that because just to circle back when you were talking about the pain, the loss of your precious sister, and then that you were like, I'm not going to have kids. I'm, I'm, this is my plan instead that I, I could adopt and that knowing avoidance doesn't heal us. Right. Avoidance doesn't heal us. Avoiding the reality of what we're walking through. And that's, that's it too, that when you were describing your personality and just the essence of who you are, that you're hopeful, half, you know, glass half full, the rainbow, and that, that, that you I think the misconception about if someone were to say, oh, that's her personality. And that's the essence of who you are right. is that we have this misconception that you're always happy. Yeah, that's right. That you don't have those, the, the deep loss and the struggles and that, okay, maybe life has been challenging, but it couldn't be hard for someone like Kelly, because there's no way that she could have that joy, not knowing that that morning you got up from the floor, from the fetal position right. and said, today, I choose joy right. with tears streaming down your face. I choose joy today. Today, yeah. I choose hope. Today, I choose to put love on. Today, yeah. I choose that this isn't just about my personality, Right. that this is going to come from my core, Right. that on the inside, I'm going to choose to, to stand up. And I love that between your first child and your second child, that there was a part of your story that was rewritten. But I love that you said, I rewrote right? Like you stepped into following different accounts and you took right. action. Right. I shared with you that one of our pastors, Brooke said, you do the work, God does the miracle. So and good. I have sent that to so many people. So Shout good. out to pastor right. Brooke with mosaic yeah. that you do the work. God does the miracle that we abdicate our, our power if we think that, that we don't have right. a role to play right yeah. in our, yeah. in our outcome, like God is like, you're waiting on me to, to speak to the chaos. God's like, so good. I, I, you got my blueprint. That is so good. And we might, my, blueprint. Go, my pastor always says, God won't do for you what you can do for yourself. Yeah. And it just goes back to, we have a part to play in this and yes. he's done so much yeah, and will do so much. There's some things where he's inviting us in. Yes. Exodus 14, 14 was my verse. Like the Lord will fight for me. I only need to be silent, you know, and for a season that was so good. And it still is, 
but there's also times Mm -hmm. that he invites us into the fight. He fights on our behalf, but he invites us into that with him and and we fight alongside of him. That takes intentionality. Yes. Yeah, it absolutely. And I've thought about Exodus 14, 14. When I look at my life personally, that scripture, God says, Hey, Juliet, you be still, I'm going to fight for you. What I've learned in the stillness looks like for me, I, I translate that in my own life to the waiting and that waiting is spiritual fasting is praying is worshiping community is reading the scriptures, that stillness, that waiting, it's a posture of faith and hope and love and abiding and like obeying. Right. And it's like say, Hey God, you, you tell me that this is the prereq. Like, this is what, this is what you asked me to do. And then here's your promise on the other, other side of that. Right. Like he never leaves us in the dark. It's not like we're wondering. So what are you going to do? He says, Hey, if you do this, I'll do this. If you do this, I'll do this. Right. And I go back to you and I talked about the story of Joshua and Joshua chapter eight, you know, and then you go back a little bit and you see Jericho Joshua and Jericho, but you look at Joshua chapter eight. It's so powerful because he says, Hey, let's ambush the enemy. And he tells him at the beginning, Hey, Josh, look, here's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to win this, but you got to do some stuff. You and your right. guys, like you, you got to get down and dirty for a little bit and do the grit. Right. And here's your outcome, but this is what you got to do. I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to do it. Mm-hmm. You got to do the in-between. That's right. Here they are in the middle, right? That's like so God's right. like, I'm beginning and I'm the end. And here you are in the middle. You know, I often wonder when it says Joshua went and camped out in the Valley by himself. I'm like, what do you do down there? <laughs> right. And what was, what was that like, right? Mm-hmm. Because we could look at Joshua and say, but he went into the battle with the promise. Well, Kelly, I, I've had so many times in my life, actually just yesterday, God saying, Hey, Hey Jules, this is your promise. You know that. And I'm like, I know, but I still have doubt, <laughs> you know, right. I'm still struggling. And he's like, but I just told you. And I'm like, I know, I know. So it's like, we have those, those moments of just that tug and war. I feel yeah. like in our, in our spirit. Right. Am I alone? Do you experience that? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Think about Joshua being down there in the Valley. Like, Oh, tomorrow I get to, we're going to get up and we're going to ambush. And I know I have your promise as a human being that, I mean, it doesn't talk about just the fear. It's like, if God said, I don't know, Kelly, if God said to Joshua, don't be discouraged. Don't don't be dismayed. That's right. God knew that that's exactly what he was feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, we just know time and time again, everything, just the life of Jesus. And he experienced all the things. I mean, I, it's so easy to be like, well, he didn't experience, you know, infidelity, you know, like naming our thing, but he knows what betrayal is. Yes. Yes. And he still washed their feet Yeah, and knew what was to come and all the things. So I absolutely do believe God knows he sees, he feels all of it. And Jesus wept over it. He wept knowing he was about to perform a miracle, but the fact that it was even made mention, like Jesus wept Mm. still, he was in it. He felt the sorrow of the people around him before he was going to go and do what he was going to do, what he was doing. But I just, I love that, that, that Jesus wept. He's in it with us. He sees it. 
I know he's heartbroken over the things that you've experienced that I've experienced and your listeners have experienced, and that's not minimized. Um, he's in it with us and he sees us, you know, um, and just experiencing God's faithfulness. You know, there's a hashtag that I use on my Instagram called God built us a house. That is like another faithful God story that I love so much. So people are like, did God really build you a house? I'm like, but yes, he did. Um, but in that season of, um, our divorce being finalized, still living in the marital home, and not knowing where I was going to go. And I can't do anything until this house sells. So I just felt like I'm really not in control of this. This is all contingent upon this house selling. And I don't know when that is. And I kept looking just because to prepare, like, let's keep looking for houses and what's on the market. And I would see stuff. And at that time things would come and go so quickly. And so I stopped looking. I absolutely stopped looking because it didn't matter. I could not do anything until this house sold. I, it started out with me. I would pray every night. This would just be my prayer in front of my kids. Like, Lord, thank you so much for this house. Thank you for the roof over our head. I know you have something so good for us and we don't know what that is, but we know that you do. And yeah. this house will sell and there, there's going to, you've got something for us. And I was even speaking again, rewriting those fears because what I feared was not a good situation for me and my kids. And we prayed every night. And then all of a sudden Ezra would start kind of repeating that same prayer, like with authority, it was amazing. And I just say, God, thank you for the house over the roof over our head. You know, again, like you said, our children are watching us and, um, making sense of the chaos through their filter of what they're seeing, you know, their mom walk through. So we would pray that he would pray it. And sure enough, the day, the day that my realtor texted me, I remember just getting out of the shower, had a towel on my phone buzzed. And it was my realtor saying, check your email. We got a full price offer on the house. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even look at the email because I don't care about the email. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's an offer. <laughs> cool. I don't need to know like full price. Okay. So I literally went on realtor.com, which I hadn't done in a while, but I just knew the real estate situation at that time. Like things were getting snatched up so fast and there was this house and, um, I sent it to my sister and I was like, look at this. It just came on the market. And she was like, Kelly, you need to get a realtor. I had no, nothing in lined up, nothing lined up. Yeah. And I called someone that I knew to said, can we go look at this house tomorrow? Within 24 hours, I'd put an offer on this house contingent upon my house selling. It was just listed that day and it was brand new build. Mm. And Ezra was actually the first my little guy at seven years old was just said, you know, said God built us a house in our season of waiting. He was working. And mm-hmm. there are so many times that I had a friend of mine say, I just wish you can get out of this house and, and get your life going. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was in there for almost a year and a half wow. and you just feel yeah. like I'm not decorating this house. I'm not yeah. doing anything new. I'm not making it a home, but I desired to move on with my life and desired to, to start fresh with my kids and a house was a big part of that. And I look back at how many times we can be tempted to just do it our way and say, you know, you're right. I do want to get out of this house. If you, if you can help me, obviously this house is going to sell. So I'll pay you back. You know, we can start doing deals outside of what God has for us. And I just knew in my spirit, stay put, this is provision. You know, my ex-husband was paying the mortgage on that house. I wasn't paying rent or whatnot. Like this is provision stay put and just believing he had something for us 
And he did. And I don't think it's coincidence. I don't think anything is coincidence, but in our season of waiting, a house was being built for us. And Mm. so even more so than ever, God works in the waiting and it's never wasted. Yes. Um, even when we don't see it and that's a worship song and we play it a lot. Um, but even when we don't see it, he's working. And, um, like I said, just going back to the story about my dad and him, you know, putting those thoughts in my mind going before me, um, you know, when he exposed what was going on in my marriage and I had no clue that was exposed at the la- I mean, what felt like was the last hour, but it was perfect yeah. timing Yes, and he's just gone before me. So he is working when we can't see it. And that that's really where I hang my hope and my faith and my trust is in that. And in, in that waiting, I worship. That's what we do. Mm. That's what I know how to do and what I've learned to do. And like you said, it's become a rhythm and, um, that wasn't always my first sign of defense, but it is now. Oh, that's so rich right there. Your first line of defense, that's it. And the times that you haven't felt like that, you said something epic and that is rewrite your fears. And that is not a once a month thing. That's an everyday thing. Right. And that you and I, in those moments of rewriting our fears, we still feel the fear. That's right. We still feel right. the fear. Like it's, it's all around us. The difference is, is that are we living according to the fear? Right. Are we going to take those risks? Because on the other side of that, we don't have a guarantee from a human being. Right. Our guarantee that, that we attach ourselves to is that he gives us beauty for those ash heaps that are around us, that God promises to work all things together for our good, that we can know that Jesus endured every step he took to the cross because of the joy you and yeah. I. Yeah. Human beings, humanity, because of the joy that was before him. To know that if he, if he did that, if he, if he said, yes, what was on the other side of that? He is, he is the risk taker. You know, he is, he models that for us. And just as you said earlier, there's nothing that we walk through in this life that Jesus hasn't experienced for us to know that he relates to all of our suffering and, and that he sees us, we don't realize how far we've come until we look back at the view. Right. And so today we invite our listeners to pause for a moment and just look back at the view Right. because of how far we've come, how far they've come in their life that it may not feel like it. It may not look like it to anybody else, but just today, if we can pause in reflection and have a moment of gratitude and be able to see that unlike someone else that we woke up today, that's right. That we're breathing, that we have an opportunity to, to, to bring change and to bring hope to someone else and to communicate they're special and that they're amazing. And that we see, we see them, you know, when we step outside of our front door as to know that there's going to be someone in our path that we can, we can help them feel seen and feel loved. It it changes my life to be able to shift the focus from myself to someone else. Right. It seems like it always lends itself to hearing a story 
and to hearing what they've, what they've walked through. Thank you for investing in us, sharing your story and your loss and your triumphs and how much you have overcome and the risks that you've taken and inviting us to sit with you today and hear your story. It's amazing. I mean, it's thankful for you. I'm thankful for you and the life that you speak and have spoken over me. And, you know, I just want whoever is listening to this to know that I'm speaking today, not from the other side either. And Mm. I've always felt like imposter syndrome, I guess, you know, to, to even speak from the middle, because the lie that I hear all as well is like, I just want to, I want to tell everyone of the goodness of God at the other side of this Mm. and be on the other side. And I feel like I have had nothing to say, or how is this encouraging? And all of it, as I'm still in my mess, I'm still in the messy middle, just how important it is to just to, to share the goodness of God, where you're at, you know, you may not be on the other side and you're not disqualified from, from sharing. And like you said, someone needs to hear these words, you know, um, the fact that we just got up and another day, another day of life and breathing and it's hard and what you do and pour into people and love and, and you've absolutely wrecked my life in such a good way and encouraged me to, to fast when I've needed to fast and pray and just come alongside of me. It's such a blessing. And I want to do more of that. This isn't about me. It's about God and how he wants to use the story and encourage people. You are so good to me. <laughs> I love you. Love you too. <laughs> and that people is an ad by Kelly Trontel. <laughs> ah! <laughs> so good. Oh, no, seriously though, I'm honored. Thank you for your words. And Uh, I, I just never take for granted being able to sit with another human being and hear their story and an opportunity to peer into their life and into their family and their soul. And you, me, we, people say, tell me, Juliet, I'm going to get through this. You're going to get through this, the choices that we make the intention. And my response is, Hey, we are going to get through this right? You link arms with that person. I'm in your corner. I met you today for a reason. I'm going to pray for you, you know, like, thank you for sharing. Thank you for connecting. So we, we are getting through this, right? Mm -hmm. We will make it to the other side. And that's interesting because people may think that, that we've already gotten through something and that we're not in the middle of anything else. And the reality is, that our faith and our hope never denies the reality that we're walking in or that we're living in. It's that we can have hope and peace and faith in the middle of the process. So thank you for, thank you for that. Thank you for igniting hope in us today through your story of resilience. You're so precious. Okay. So how can our listeners find you? They want to connect. What does that look like? Yes. Well, I'm on Instagram. So Kelly Trontel on Instagram, I've recently launched a faithful page and that is actually a new platform for me just to connect with people. There's so, I get so many messages of people walking through infidelity or divorce, single motherhood and messages just get lost on DMS. I, um, just prayed for months, like, Lord, what do I do with this? How, how can you use me? You know, even that, even though I'm in the middle of my stuff, I want to help others. And so, um, I just recently launched a faithful site and it just really gives me an opportunity to connect with 
with women, particularly in a more intentional way. So I'm doing video check-ins. We're doing monthly and weekly zoom calls. Um, it's just a way for me to really encourage. That's my heart is encouraging not to camp out in our hurt, but I want to acknowledge that because that's so important, but I want to champion and be a Julie to other people in my <laughs> life to just love and champion and throw hope and faith and encouragement around. So, um, you are, you're a voice of hope sister. I'm at. You are. Yeah. You are a voice of hope. I, I love that notes about Kelly will be in the show notes of our podcast so that you can know how to get in touch with her and how to follow her on her new page on faithful. I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to jump over there and see all the goodness that you're offering to us. Well, thank you for today for being with us on the yellow soul podcast. All thank right. You. Thank you. Love you. Honor. Thank Love you too. You. Hey friend, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of yellow soul with Kelly Trontel. Whoa, like that was Oh, so, so good. I mean, I'm editing this and listening and I'm just, I'm like, I'm here for it. It's so rich. When we said in our dialogue today, you don't realize how far you've come until you look back at the view. I really, really hope that you take a moment for yourself. You hear that last ding of the music today, that you do that, that you take a look. You're halfway through the year. The best is ahead of you. And just know you have come so far. I know you've accomplished some, th some things this year in your life. So it's just a matter of acknowledging that and resting in that and embracing it. Like say yes. Say yes to more risks. Say yes to looking fear in the face, coming toe to toe with what it is that's stopping you. And be honest, be vulnerable with yourself. You have one life to live. Make every moment you have breath in your body count. I hope that Yellow Soul is a safe space for you to ponder, to explore, to discover, and gain some incredible, like massive amounts of hope along the way. And if this podcast impacted you, please share it with a friend. Chances are, if it touched you, it's exactly what they need. So it's just a click of a button. And please rate and review and comment on my podcast. It means the world to me to hear from you. Like it means so much to me to let, to let me know that on the other side, that someone is out there listening. Thank you again for spending time with us and for hanging out with Kelly and I don't forget to head out there to her information on her website. Look in the show notes of our podcast and until next time, my friend, cheers.